Good evening, children. It's about 5.30ish. I'm just walking downstairs. It's the sound you hear, the creaking. It's me walking down our stairs inside our house. Uh, you guys are right now having a dinner with your mom at a famous ice cream place that my mother loved going to. She always got a crab salad sandwich. And uh, so do I, because it's the best I've ever had. Your mom is celebrating a successful, what do you call it, a successful time getting shots. All four of you got shots today. And the entrepreneur, bless your heart, baby doll, you have not been easy taking shots. You just haven't. And I could trace that back to your mom. Because for as long as I've known her, and that's like 28 years, she has hated getting shots. Hated it. I remember one time, (laughs) I mean, I shouldn't laugh, but I'm going to tell you some stories about your mom. You've heard a lot of stories about me. I feel selfish. I should be talking about your mom a little bit, too. Your, Your mom is not good with needles. In fact, all of your birth stories have something to do with needles and making sure she didn't get one injected into her. The only one that actually got a, a needle injected into her was the first child, the, the entrepreneur. I'm just scooting my chair in. Because she got an epidural and, and it's like a requirement to get a, um, what's it called, saline solution or whatever it is to hydrate you. But all the other three, the three after that, I was the bulldog. Every time the nurses would be like, okay, let's get you an IV. And your mom, I would say, nope, it's not happening. <clears throat> I would be the jerk. I would say, she doesn't want a needle. And then you, your mom would say, no, I don't want a needle. And then your aunt, who's a chiropractor, she would run interference too. <coughs> Excuse me. And for each childbirth, all four of you, when we, as soon as we were admitted in and we, we put our boundaries down, they would always assign the oldest nurse with the most experience. I'm talking nurses with like 35, 40 years experience would be in charge of your mom and childbirth. And it was just so funny. It's always the oldest nurse, and I guarantee it's always the nurse that just did not care. I'm not going to say what I want to say. I've got to edit myself. But, I mean, each of the births ended up good, although after the first childbirth, your mom was not pleased that she had a needle in her arm. She said it was the worst, most painful childbirth. And she'll be the first to tell you the least painful childbirths were uh, completely natural. So she, I'm quoting her. So I'm not like the jerk dad that's like, oh, it was less painful without the drugs. I wanted drugs too, but they wouldn't give them to me. So anyways, I remember one time our very good friend whom you know, he lives close to um, the middle school the entrepreneur is going to. He, he once called me because we all went to the same college. And he called me and said, hey, your girlfriend needs you. She fainted. And as soon as he said she fainted, I thought, well, probably gonna, uh, she's probably donating blood, huh? And he said, how'd you know? <laughs> I mean, it's funny. I mean, it's kind of, anyways. Anyways, so that's what's going on. You guys are celebrating, which is great. We're just opening a can of soda right now. Have a sip. So you guys are off 
having a great time eating some great ice cream. Although the ice cream in our town is better, I'm gonna tell you right now. Where you guys are at right now, it's this famous place. And it's been mentioned in Pixar movies and stuff, and um, it's got great a great crab salad sandwich, but the ice cream in the town we live in is amazing. And you guys already know that, so. The last time, so I, I just posted um, chapters 14 through 17, and I said in the description that I'll probably explain what I need to do for every one of these podcasts. So I'll, I'll do that. Um, and, and I didn't do that this time, do this this time, but usually I'll read up on some, I'll, I'll see what chapters I'm supposed to read, and then I'll read up on some, what's it called, um, concordances, and I'll read up on what other pastors believe these scripture means and see if someone's done a breakdown on them or written uh, just some academic essays on these. I'll read those. That'll usually take, that won't take me too long, half hour to an hour. So I want to sound well read to you kids. And then um, I'll have to figure out where I'm recording. I'll do that. And uh, about a half hour or so, I stop. Then I, I rename the audio file on my phone because I'm using my phone to record. And after I rename it, then I, I, re, uh, I convert it from an MP4 to an MP3. And then I email that MP3 to my podcast email address. And then I open up a program on my computer called Audacity. And I edit song, an intro song and an exit song, and then I merge it with the actual meat of the podcast, my talking, and I try and get it right. And then once the intro is well faded in, and then I talk, and then once the outro is faded out where I want it to, to begin after I start stop talking, then I merge it, I export it into its own MP3 file, then I go on the podcast server, and I upload the thing, and I write a little bit, and there you have it. To record, it takes about a half hour or so to do all that other stuff, like to edit it and then upload it and post it, it takes at least another hour. And I love it. I do it on my downtime, which is why I have not uploaded any more. <coughs> so, sorry. I, you know, things are hectic. Right now, the namesake, his class was was has been quarantined due to the pandemic, and they're quarantined until the 18th, so he's home, and, you know, we're dealing with that as best we can, and sorry I'm yawning, um, excuse me about that, sorry, so we're, uh, but we're, we're moving along, anyways, I'm going to try and record this, record a few chapters before you guys get home. When you guys do get home, I will hit stop. I don't think, I don't need them to know what I'm doing. I mean, I don't need you guys to know what I'm doing. And I decided once my oldest starts college, then I will reveal the podcast to them. So once, and if she doesn't start college, that's fine. I'm not pushing college on any of you, by the way. I mean, it would be nice if one of you became a, a lawyer. No pressure. 
you know, I didn't become a truck driver. My dad did not become a, a mortician like his dad, you know. We all have, I guess, the family I'm part of. We like to go on our own. So, that's nothing wrong with that. The other night we did a what's a, a Zoom video chat. I don't know if that, if that, you know, by the time you hear this, it'll probably be other technology, but we had Zoom back in 2022, 21, 22. Um, it's a video chat, and we discussed my dad's funeral and everything going into that. That was pretty productive, although kind of sad. Kind of sad, you know. It's life. Maybe one day when you listen to this, I'll be gone. But, but that's, that's part of life. Death, <laughs> is as weird as that sounds, so. Anyways, I have not read up on chapters 18, 19, and 20. I think I'll end it, I think three. Three is good. Three chapters is good, unless you guys interrupt us, or me, and then I'll stop ahead of time, so. Without further ado, Deuteronomy chapter 18. The Levitical priests, all the tribe of Levi, shall have no portion or inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the Lord's food offerings as their inheritance. They shall have no inheritance among their brothers. The Lord is their inheritance, as he promised them. And this shall be the priests do from the people. From those offering a sacrifice, whether an ox or a sheep, they shall give to the priest the shoulder and the two cheeks and the stomach, the first fruits of your grain and your wine and of your soil, of your oil and the first fleece of your sheep you shall give him for the Lord your God has chosen him out of all your tribes to stand and minister in the name of the Lord him and his sons for all time and if a Levite comes from any of your towns out of all Israel where he lives then he may come when he desires to the place that the Lord will choose and the ministers in the name of the Lord, like all his fellow Levites who stand to minister there before the Lord, then he may have equal portions to eat besides what he receives from the sale of his patrimony. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or his daughter as an offering, anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or a charmer, or a medium, or a necromancer, or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is, is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations, which you are about to dispossess, listen to fortune tellers and to diviners. But as you, the Lord your God, has not allowed you to do this. The Lord your God will raise you up, will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen, just as you desired of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth. He shall speak to them all that I command him. And I have a note, I think that I wrote this. <coughs> I, I highlighted that verse and I put Jesus. And that's a messianic prophecy. So, sorry. Keep going. Verse 19. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. 
But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name that I have not commanded him to speak or who speaks in the name of other gods, that same prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how may we know the word that the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. <laughs> that reminds me, of, and I have a lot to say about this chapter. That reminds me of, um, the prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. There's a scene in this movie called The Big Lebowski where they're about to get into a fight with some guys at the end of the movie. And one of the characters turns to like the big guy. They're like three friends. Turns to one guy and says, should we be afraid? And the guy says, no, Donnie, these men are cowards. <laughs> it's like the whole movie is quotable, by the way. But <laughs> that's how I read that. The prophet has spoken presumptuously. You need not be afraid of him. These men are cowards and they'll die. Um, one of the things I, I get from chapter 18 is abominable practices. And... When you're in college, people are going to argue with you about the Bible. They're going to do it a lot. People hate Christians. They hate us um, for a lot of reasons. We don't have the best PR, public relations. Our most idiotic uh, members of our religion get the best, to get the most press. Um, <clears throat> and the media hates us too. Everyone, I mean, really, it's, why would anyone join this faith? The faith doesn't promise anything but trouble in so many ways. But we get a lot of flack for, I mean, one of the arguments I've heard is the Israelites committed multiple genocides, multiple. And that's not entirely true. They, like in, and I'd have to go back and read through them, and we'll probably read through them in uh, Judges. And uh, I think Judges, and then after Deuteronomy is um, Joshua. We'll be reading through that. But God told Israel multiple times, kill, the, kill this, these entire people, leave none alive. Kill these people, leave none alive. And <coughs> so the argument is, well, God's allowing genocide. No, he's not. You know, he's really not. What he's trying to get rid of is these abominable practices. Okay, and I don't expect you to argue these to people in college or whatever. You know, apologetics is its own animal, and I'd love to teach it to you. But basically, apologetics is just defense of your faith, and one day you'll have to defend it because the Bible says, if you know, if you don't acknowledge, like Jesus says, if you don't acknowledge me on earth, why would I acknowledge you in heaven? So that's it's a whole other side route I'm going, but. One of the questions I, I've asked people, uh, they, they said, oh, well, God committed genocide. Well, I was like, well, no, he didn't, because the, the way they, they use the words is, you know, wipe out all these people and don't marry their women. Well, you're not, then you're not wiping them all out. You're killing all the men, you're killing all the evildoers, and so the Israelites didn't really commit suicide, uh, genocide. But what they did do is that God is trying to get rid of child murder, um, child rape, trying, which was rampant. Back then, using children as, as prosti in prostitution for their evil, satanic temple priests, um, God was getting rid of that. So he asked. So I asked these people. I've, I've asked one person. It's like, well, it wasn't really genocide, and here's what the verbiage of the verses. And it's like, but 
these cultures were practiced in infanticide, killing infants and slaughtering children to appease gods. Um, and God was getting, and they're like, well, why didn't God get rid of that? Why didn't God stop that? And my answer is God was stopping that with the Israelites. He was killing them off. It's like, we can't have that in this, on earth. So it's just, I'm not doing it as eloquently as I, I've done before, but there's a reason. It's not like these people were in the land God wanted to give the Israelites. These people were evil. I'm talking about evil, like made, probably made the Nazis look like a bunch of kindergartners in a way. So anyways, I, I, I really digress there. Sorry about that. Um, chapter 19. <clears throat> When the Lord your God cuts off the nations whose land the Lord your God is giving you, and you dispossess them and dwell in their cities and in their houses, you shall set apart three cities for yourselves in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. You shall measure the distances and divide into three parts the area of the land that the Lord your God gives you as possession, so that any manslayer can flee to them. <clears throat> this is the provision for the manslayer who, by fleeing there, may save his life. If anyone kills his neighbor unintentionally without having hated him in the past, as when someone goes into the forest with his neighbor to cut wood and his hand swings the axe to cut down a tree and the head slips from the handle and strikes his neighbor so that he dies, he may flee to one of these cities and live, lest the avenger of blood in hot anger pursue the manslayer and overtake him because the way is long and strike him fatally, though the man did not deserve to die since he had not hated his neighbor in the past. Therefore I command you, you shall set apart three cities. And if the Lord your God enlarges your territory, as he has sworn to your fathers, and gives you all the land that he promised to give you to your fathers, promised, uh, provided you are careful to keep all his commandments, which I command you today, by loving the Lord your God and by walking ever in his ways, then you shall add three other cities to these three, lest innocent blood be shed in the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance, and so the guilt of the bloodshed be upon you. But if anyone hates his neighbor and lies in wait for him and attacks him and strikes him fatally so that he dies, and he flees into one of those cities, then the elders of his city shall send and take him from there and hand him over to the avenger of blood, so that he may die. Your eye shall not pity him, but you shall purge the guilt of innocent blood from Israel, so that it may be well with you. Um, interesting. You shall not move your neighbor's landmark, which the men of old have set in the inheritance that you will hold in the land that the Lord your God has given you to possess. A single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offense that he has committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. If a malicious witness arises to accuse a person of wrongdoing, then both parties to the dispute shall appear before the Lord, before the priests and the judges who are in office. In office in those days, the judges shall inquire diligently, and if the witness is a false witness and he has accused his brother falsely, then you shall do to him as he had meant to do to his brother. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and the rest shall hear and fear, and shall never again commit such evil among you. Your eye shall not pity, it shall be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, and foot for, for foot. And that law is, is quite a progressive law. Um, it's when you think about it back then, I mean, they were killing people for stealing, but that's not how it's, the God is creating a legal system, a brilliant legal system. I mean, they're in chapter 19, they're talking about, you know, unintentional death. That's I mean, that's what we would call involuntary manslaughter and then lying in wait. 
I mean, this language is used in, in, in the law today, like modern law today, lying in wait. In fact, I, I don't know. I won't tell that story. Um, uh, well, I, maybe I will. I went to UC Berkeley, and I, I remember I was in class with this I, – I would say she was an older woman at the time. I was 20. She was probably 35. And she was a very spirited person, and I, she, everyone loved her. She was great. She had great things to say. Um, professor loved her. Turns out she had a uh, an ex-husband who hated her. And uh, one day I come into class. All the TAs are sobbing uncontrollably. And one, one, and one of the professor comes in, one of them whispers in his ear, and he just grabs them by the shoulders, and they, they hold each other. And they, were, they, were like, they start sobbing. And everyone in the classroom is like, what is going on? Well, turns out her, that woman's ex-husband lied in wait for her in Oakland, I think, and shot her with a shotgun and killed her. And, you know, whenever I think of lying in wait, I think of, I think of her. Uh, it was really sad. Really sad. Gosh. So, uh, also, property boundaries, that's interesting. Laws concerning witnesses. You know, don't bear false witness. God's going to kill you. It's going to happen. I, I can't imagine seeing that in those days, like appearing before the Lord. That's, um, you better be right. You know, eyewitness testimony is not, it's not, um, it's not really reliable. So it's just, it's fascinating that, and it's amazing how right on the money, these, these rules that I'm reading uh, have extremely, extreme practical application today. Okay, today. Let me take a step. Chapter 20. When you go out to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army larger than you, your own, you shall not be afraid of them, for the Lord your God is with you, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And when you draw near to the battle, the priest shall come forward and speak to the people and say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are drawing near for battle against your enemies. Let not your heart faint. Do not fear or panic or be in dread of them. For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies, to give you the victory. That, I'm going to highlight that for a second. Um, then the officers shall speak to the people, saying, Is there any man who has built a new house and has not de- dedicated it? Let him go back to his house, lest he die in the battle, and another man dedicate it. And is there any man who has planted a vineyard and has not enjoyed its fruit? Let him go back to his house, lest he die in the battle, and another man enjoys its fruit. Is there any man who has betrothed a wife and has not taken her? Hmm. Let him go back to his house, lest he die in battle, and another man take her. And the officers shall speak further to the people and say, Is there any man who is fearful and faint-hearted? Let him go back to his house, lest he make his heart of his fellows melt like his own. And when the officers have finished speaking to the people, then... Commanders shall be appointed at the head of the people. When you draw near to a city to fight against it, offer terms of peace to it. And if it responds to you peaceably and it opens uh, to you, then all the people who are found in it shall do forced labor for you and shall serve you. But if it makes no peace with you, but makes war against you, then you shall besiege it. And when the Lord your God gives it into your hand, you shall put all its males to the sword. But the women and the little ones, the livestock and everything else in the city... All its spoil you shall take as plunder for yourselves. And you shall enjoy the spoil of your enemies, which the Lord your God has given you. Thus you shall do to all the cities that are very far from you, which are not cities of the nations here. But in the cities of the, these peoples, 
that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance, you shall save alive nothing that breathes. But you shall devote them to complete destruction, the Hittites and the Amorites, the Canaanites and the Perizzites, the Hivites, Jebusites, as the Lord your God has commanded, that they may not teach you to do according to their abominable practices that they have done for their gods, and so you sin against the Lord your God. When you besiege a city for a long time, making war against it in order to take it, you shall not destroy its trees by wielding an axe against them. You may eat from them, but you shall not cut them down. And the trees in the field, human, that they should be besieged by you, only the trees that you know are not trees for food you may destroy and cut down, that you may build siege works against the cities that make war with you until it falls. That's interesting. I, I literally, that we just discussed that, the abominable practices. I think we have time for another, for another chapter. Chapter 21. If in the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess, someone is found slain, lying in the open country, and is not known, and it is not known who killed him, then your elders and your judges shall come out, and they shall measure the distance to the surrounding cities. And the elders of the city that is nearest to the slain man shall take a heifer that has never been worked, and that has not pulled any yoke. And the elders of that city shall bring the heifer down to a valley with running water, which is neither plowed nor sown, and shall break the heifer's neck there in the, in the valley. Then the priests, the sons of Levi, shall come forward to the Lord your God has chosen. For the Lord your God has chosen them to minister to him, and to bless in the name of the Lord, and by their word every dispute and every assault shall be settled. And all the elders of that city nearest to the slain man shall wash their hands over the heifer whose neck was broken in the valley, and they shall testify. Our hands did not shed this blood, nor did our eyes see it shed. Accept atonement, O Lord, for your people Israel, whom you have redeemed, and do not set the guilt of innocent blood in the midst of your people Israel, so that their blood guilt be atoned for. So you shall purge the guilt of innocent blood from your midst when you do what is right in the sight of the Lord. When you go out to war against your enemies, and the Lord your God gives them into your hand, and you take them captive, and you see among the captives a beautiful woman, and you desire to take her to be your wife, and you bring her home to your house, she shall, she shall shave her head and pare her nails. She shall take off the clothes in which she was captured and shall remain in your house and lament her father and her mother a full month. After that, you may go into her and be her husband, and she shall be your wife. But if you no longer delight in her, you shall let her go where she wants. But you shall not sell her for money, nor shall you treat her as a slave, since you have humiliated her. I don't know how to unpack that. I'm just going to keep going. Uh, I really wish I would have read up on this chapter. Um, if a man has two wives, the one loved and the other unloved, and both the loved and the unloved have borne him children, and if the firstborn son belongs to the unloved, then on the day when he assigns his possessions as an inheritance to his sons, he may not treat the son of the loved as the firstborn in preference to the son of the unloved, who is the firstborn. But he shall acknowledge the firstborn, the son of the unloved, by giving him a double portion of all that he has, for he is the first fruits of his strength. The right of the firstborn is his. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of his city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men in the city shall stone him to death with stones, so you shall purge evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. If a man has committed a crime punishable by death, and he is put to death 
and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him that same day. For a hanged man is cursed by God. You shall not defile your land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance. That is also a messianic prophecy, because Jesus was hung on a tree. I want to read uh, 22. Let me take a step. I mean, they just, he's just rattling them off. And I don't know if Moses is reading this, is writing this, or maybe Joshua took over. I don't know. Again, I, sh- I should have read up on this. Sorry, guys. I am sorry. Let's see. I'm going to go, let's see chapter 22. Chapter 22. You shall not see your brother's ox or his sheep going astray and ignore them. You shall take them back to your brother. And if he does not live near you, you do not know who he, he is. You shall bring it home to your house and it shall stay with you until your brother seeks it. Then you shall restore it to him. And you shall do the same with his donkey or with his garment uh, or with any lost thing of your brother's which he loses and you find. You may not ignore it. You shall not see your brother's donkey or his ox fallen down by the way and ignore him. You shall help him to lift them up again. A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. If you come across a bird's nest in any tree or or on the ground with young ones or eggs and the mother sitting on the young or on the eggs, you shall not take the mother with the young. You shall let the mother go, but the young you may take for yourself that it may go well with you, and that you may live long. When you build a new house, you shall make a parapet for your roof, that you may not bring the guilt of blood upon your house, if anyone should fall from it. You shall not sow your vineyard with two kinds of seed, lest the whole yield be forfeited. The crop that you have sown and the yield of the vineyard, you shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. You shall not wear cloth of wool and linen mixed together. You shall make yourself tassels on the four corners of the garment for which you cover yourself. <clears throat> I don't understand those laws, um, especially the bird one. So, sorry. Uh, if any man takes a wife and goes into her and then hates her and accuses her of misconduct and brings a bad name upon her, saying, I took this woman when I came near her, I did not find in her evidence of virginity, then the father of the young woman and the mother shall take and bring out the evidence of her virginity to the elders or the city and the gate. And the father of the young woman shall say to the elders, I gave my daughter to this man to marry, and he hates her. And behold, he has accused her of misconduct, saying, I do not find in your daughter evidence of virginity. Yet this is the evidence of my daughter's virginity, and they shall spread the cloak before the elders of the city. Then the, what's going on here? Then the elders of that city shall take the man and whip him, and they shall fine him a hundred shekels of silver, and give them to the father of the young woman, because he has brought a bad name upon a virgin of Israel. And she shall be his wife. Poor woman. He may not divorce her all his days. But if the thing is true and the evidence of virginity was not found in the young woman, then they shall bring out the young woman to the door of her father's house. And the men of her city shall stone her to death with stones because she has done an outrageous thing in Israel by whoring in her father's house. So you shall purge the evil from your midst. If a man is found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die, the man who lay with the woman and the woman. So you shall purge evil from Israel. If there is a betrothed virgin and a man meets her in the city and lies with her, then you shall bring them both out to the gate of the city, that city, and you shall stone them to death with stones. The young woman, because she did not cry for help, though 
She was in the city, and the man, because he violated his neighbor's wife, so you shall purge the evil from your midst. But if in the open country a man meets a young woman who is betrothed, and the man seizes her and lies with her, then only the man who lay with her shall die. But you shall do nothing to the young woman. She has committed no offense punishable by death. For this case is like that of a man attacking and murdering his neighbor. Because he met her in the open country, and though the betrothed young woman cried for help, there was no one to rescue her. If a man meets a virgin who is not betrothed and seizes her and lies with her, and they are found, then the man who lay with her shall give to the father of the young woman fifty shekels of silver. She shall be his wife, because he has violated her. He may not divorce her all of his days. A man shall not take his father's wife so that he does not uncover his father's nakedness. Oh, boy. What? I wish I had read some treatises on these. What we do? 18 through... 22. My Lord. I understood most of that. I don't understand a man being forced to marry a woman he raped. And I'm sure the woman would not want to be with that man. So I don't, I don't understand that. These are the questions I'd like to ask a theologian about. So I don't, I, I wish I had an answer. I really do. But... But it's close to six, and I'm going to. I'm going to clean some stuff up before your mom gets home. It always makes her happy when I clean stuff, and she comes home and she doesn't have to do the work. So, so I hope you guys are doing well. I hope this was an entertaining podcast. Um, I'm going to do some reading though. I'm going to try and I want to I want to touch on those the next podcast because I don't want to just leave it as it is. You know. Make sure your kids are going to church. You know, and make sure you're going to a youth group. You know, the number one reason kids stop going to church and leave the faith is because they don't keep going to church every every weekend, every Sunday. Do you know, find some friends and do a Bible study. Friends in the church, you know, actual Christians. You know, um, it's important. Just as iron sharpens iron. So. So I love you with all my heart. And uh, can't wait for you guys to come home. I'm, I'm so excited to see you guys. I'm excited. You guys. You guys really melt my heart. You know, I'll tell you this one thing. Then I'll, then I'll go. Uh, the entrepreneur the other day. We, I, I, we rode bikes to her school. And. She has to go inside the school to park her bike. Then come on out. And then I walk her to a, an open gate, which puts her, brings her into her class. And she saw a bunch of friends at the the bicycle rack, and I started talking to them. And I thought, oh, I'll let her be. You know, she isn't – let her hang out with friends. She it's, she had trouble – you had trouble making friends at the, your other school. So it makes me so happy that you have a bunch of little friends. And so you were talking to them, and that, but then you said – you waved goodbye, and then you, like, came out. You didn't have to come out, but you came out say, okay, Dad. I was like, you know, you could – I told you, I, you could go and hang out with your friends. It's no problem. I'll, no problem at all. I won't be upset. And, she, and, and you said this, and it just, just, it just melted me. You said, Dad, I'll see, I'll see them all day in school. I don't get to see you all day. It's your time now. And it just it blew me away. It blew me away. I wish I had done things like that for my dad. I'm sure I did. about I'm a very blessed man. So, 
So I love you kids. Please get along with each other. Forgive quickly and gracefully. And in everything we do, do it for the kingdom. Rescue of our souls, he has come.